Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Bible Podcast. Today we're going to be starting the book of Judges, and we're going to be reading chapters 1 and 2 to begin with it. Uh, And before we begin, I wanted to start out with a quick prayer for each and every one of you listening. Dear Lord, I pray for everyone that's listening right now and their loved ones and everyone in need. I pray that you will help them with the struggles they are going through in this season. For you know exactly what they need in this moment. Draw near to them and let them feel your presence. Open their eyes, ears, and hearts to you. Help them have the discernment to hear your voice as you lead them in their next steps. Speak to them as they read your word and bring verses of encouragement and comfort to their attention. I pray that you will calm any fear or anxiety they may be feeling. Replace it with the confidence to obey your word and to trust you. I pray that your guidance will be clear to them from this day forward. In your name I pray, amen. All right, so the book of Judges, um, this book is about cycles of disobedience, conquest by other nations, and then dramatic deliverances. Christian and Jewish traditions say that the author of this book was Samuel, and it happened around 1300s to the 1100s BC. This book takes place in the period of the Judges, uh, begins in begins a generation after the people of Israel settled in the promised land and spans roughly 200 years. In the book of Judges, we see God's people facing immense challenges and surviving through tough conditions. God used fighters to lead his people. The judges weren't afraid to get their hands dirty. While many of us want to quote-unquote keep our options open and not be too committed to one thing, the book of Judges shows the consequences of failing to commit to God. Partial loyalty and partial obedience to God end up hurting everyone in the long run. The satisfying life is focused on one goal, living for the Lord. All right, chapter one, Judah and Simeon conquer the land. After the death of Joshua, the Israelites asked the Lord, which tribe should I first, should go first to attack the Canaanites? The Lord answered Judah, for I have given them victory over the land. The men of Judah said to their relatives from the tribe of Simeon, join with us to fight against the Canaanites living in the territory allotted to us. Then we will help you conquer your territory. So the men of Simeon went with Judah. When the men of Judah attacked, the Lord gave them victory over the Canaanites and Perizzites, and they killed 10,000 enemy warriors at the town of Bezek. While at Bezek, they countered King Adoni Bezek and fought against him, and the Canaanites and Perizzites were defeated. Adoni Bezek escaped, but the Israelites soon captured him and cut off his thumbs and big toes. Adani Bezek said, I once had 70 kings with their thumbs and big toes cut off eating scraps from under my table, 
Now God has paid me back for what I did to them. They took him to Jerusalem, and he died there. The men of Judah attacked Jerusalem and captured it, killing all its people and setting the city on fire. Then they went down to fight the Canaanites living in the hill country, the Negev, and western foothills. Judah marched against the Canaanites in Hebron, defeating the forces of Shishai, Ahiman, and Telmai. From there they went to fight against the people living in the town of Debir. Caleb said, I will give you my daughter, Aksa, in marriage to the one who attacks and captures Kiriath Sefer. Othniel, the son of Caleb's younger brother, Kenaz, was the one who conquered it, so Aksa became Othniel's wife. When Aksa married Othniel, she urged him to ask her father for a field. As she got down off her donkey, Caleb asked her, What's the matter? She said, Let me have another gift. You have already given me land in the Negev. Now please give me springs of water too. So Caleb gave her the upper lower springs. When the tribe of Judah left Jericho, the city of Palms, the Kenites, who were descendants of Moses' father-in-law, traveled with them into the wilderness of Judah. They settled among the people there near the town of Arad in the Negev. Then Judah joined with Simeon in a fight against the Canaanites living in Zephath, and they completely destroyed the town, so the town was named Hermah. In addition, Judah captured the towns of Gaza, Ashkelon, and Ekron, along with their surrounding territories. Israel fails to conquer the land. The Lord was with the people of Judah, and they took possession of the hill country. But they failed to drive out the people living in the plains, who had iron chariots. The town of Hebron was given to Caleb as Moses had promised, and Caleb drove out the people living there, who were descendants of the three sons of Anak. The tribe of Benjamin, however, failed to drive out the Jebusites, who were living in Jerusalem. So to this day, the Jebusites live in Jerusalem among the people of Benjamin. The descendants of Joseph attacked the town of Bethel, and the Lord was with them. They sent men to scout out Bethel. They confronted a man coming out of the town and said to, sh to him, Show us a way into the town, and we will have mercy on you. So he showed them a way in, and they killed everyone in the town except the man, that man and his family. Later the man moved to the land of the Hittites, where he built the town. He named it Luz, which is its name to this day. The tribe of Manasseh failed to drive out the people living in Bethshan, Tanakh, Dor, Iblium, Megiddo, and their surrounding settlements because the Canaanites were determined to stay in their region. When the Israelites grew stronger, they forced the Canaanites to work as slaves, but they never did drive them completely out of the land. The tribe of Ephraim failed to drive out the Canaanites living in the Gezir, so the Canaanites continued to live there among them. The tribe of Zebulun failed to drive out the residents of Kitron and Ahalal, so the Canaanites continued to live among them, but the Canaanites were forced to work as slaves for the people of Zebulun. The tribe of Asher failed to drive out the residents of Akko, Zidon, Alab, Akzib, Helba, Alfik, and Rahab. Instead, the people of Asher moved in among the Canaanites who controlled the land, for they failed to drive them out. Likewise, the tribe of Naphtali failed to drive out the residents of Beth Shemesh and Beth Anath. 
Instead, they moved in among the Canaanites who controlled the land. Nevertheless, the people of Beth Shemesh and Beth Anath were forced to work as slaves for the people of Naphtali. As for the tribe of Dan, the Amorites forced them back. into the hill country and would not let them come down into the plains. The Amorites were determined to stay in the Mount Harry's, Ajalon, and Shalbim. But when the descendants of Joseph became stronger, they forced the Amorites to work as slaves. The boundary of the Amorites ran the Scorpion Pass to Salah and contributed upward from there. So here in the first chapter of Judges, um, here in in the book of Judges, um, it gives us an idea of the courage it takes to enter new territory in life. Even though much of the promised land had already been taken under Joshua, it was necessary to address the present reality of the enemy still living there. Only when the conquest was completely was completed could Israel focus on building a new life in their new land. In the same way, it is important that we conquer and control what has mastered us in the past before we try to build a new life. In verses 19 through 36, this last half of the chapter shows how incomplete Israel's conquest of the promised land really was. God had promised to be with them and guide them in this difficult process as they displayed courage and faith in God. He brought them numerous victories, but faltering courage and lack of perseverance stopped God's people short of their goal. We also must place our faith in God and persevere to preserve spiritual gains. Chapter 2 The Lord's Messenger Comes to Bacham The angel of the Lord went up from the Gilgal to Bacham and said to the Israelites, I brought you out of Egypt into the land that I swore to give your ancestors, and I said, I will never break my covenant with you. For your part, you were not to make any covenants with the people living in this land. Instead, you were to destroy their altars, but you disobeyed my command. Why did you do this? So now I declare that I will no longer drive out the people living in your land. They will be thorns in your sides, and their gods will be a constant temptation to you. When the angel of the Lord finished speaking to all the Israelites, the people wept loudly. So they called the place Bacham, which means weeping, and they offered sacrifices there to the Lord. The Death of Joshua After Joshua sent the people away, each of the tribes left to take possession of the land allotted to them. And the Israelites served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the leaders who outlived him, those who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. They buried him in the land and had allocated at Timoth in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gosh. Lord, oh, Israel disobeys the Lord. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. 
The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt. They went after other gods, worshiping the gods of the people around them. And they angered the Lord. They abandoned the Lord to serve Baal in the images of Ashtoreth. This made the Lord burn with anger against Israel. So he handed them over to raiders who stole their possessions. He turned them over to their enemies all around and they were no longer able to resist them. Every time Israel went out to battle, the Lord fought against them, causing them to be defeated just as he had warned, and the people were in great distress. The Lord rescues his people. Then the Lord raised up judges to rescue the Israelites from their attackers. Yet Israel did not listen to the judges, but prostituted themselves by worshiping their gods. How quickly they turned away from the path of their ancestors who had walked in obedience to the Lord's commands. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge over Israel, he was with that judge and rescued the people from their enemies throughout the judge's lifetime. For the Lord took pity on his people who were burdened by oppression and suffering. But when the judge died, the people returned to their corrupt ways, behaving worse than those who had lived before them. They went after other gods, serving and worshiping them, and they refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. So the Lord burned with anger against Israel. He said, Because these people have violated my covenant, which I made with their ancestors, and have ignored my commands, I will no longer drive out the nations that Joshua left unconquered when, they, when he died. I did this to test Israel, to see whether or not they would follow the ways of the Lord as their ancestors did. That is why the Lord left these, those nations in place. He did not quickly drive them out or allow Joshua to conquer them all. Here in chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, the angel of the Lord stated in no uncertain terms that the foundational reason for Israel's half-completed conquest of the Promised Land was their half-hearted commitment to God. They allowed the altars of the various Canaanite people to remain, and those religious and moral temptations became repeated points of failure for God's people. To Israel's credit, they repented, attempt, they repented attempting to set things right with God. No matter what we have done, we can turn to God. God will forgive us, but we must ask for that forgiveness. In verses 11 through 19, here we see the cycle of short-term renewal that is echoed throughout Judges. Because of prolonged denial of their sin, the people were repeatedly oppressed by various enemies. In their misery, they admitted their need for God and cried out to Him. Then God provided judges to free them from their oppressors. Tragically, it was only a matter of time before Israel made the same mistakes again. We also must rely on God, who will support our efforts, sustaining us with His gracious power. If we fall, God is waiting for our cries, and we will respond with the help we need. So today uh, we started the book of Judges, and Judges is a full 
of bloody and wicked stories. It also requires us to reframe our understanding of the word judge. These aren't courtroom judges. They're civil and military leaders, and they're more like a hands-on president who enacts laws and commands the army. Israel is a theocratic nation-state. That means God rules the country, not a king or a president. So there's no separation of church and state. This kind of system may sound like a great idea, but having God as your leader doesn't mean people actually follow him. The human heart doesn't respond to laws. It responds to what it loves. And if you don't love God, you'll find his rules repugnant and irrational, and you will rebel against him. Even though they're in the promised land, they haven't conquered the land completely. There are pockets of Canaanites everywhere because they failed to obey God's covenant. He warned them repeatedly about the consequences the Canaanites will will become a snare and lead Israel into apostasy. Then they'll be oppressed and dragged away. Today, we set out for a long ride on the Apostasy Express. It runs in this loop. Israel sins, falls into oppression, cries out to God who delivers them, then repents and enjoys peace for a while before again deciding they like sin more than peace. The Israelites are enticed by the Canaanites' sophistication. After all, their parents lived in Egypt as slaves. They came from nothing, and they've spent their entire lives in tents in the desert. Now they're in cities with art, architecture, literature, and ports of trade. And it seems like the way the Canaanites acquired this lifestyle was by worshiping their gods, which involved sex with the so-called sacred prostitutes at Baal's temple. The Israelites make concession after concession until their hearts fully turn from God. In the beginning of Judges, Israel starts out strong after Joshua's death by inquiring of God. They want to eradicate the the Canaanites like God commanded. God appoints Judah to lead the charge, and Judah asks Simeon's tribe to help. They have some early success even in Jerusalem, but it's short-lived. They hedge on full obedience, allowing some Canaanites to remain in the land. In fact, nine of the nine of nine of the nine and a half tribes in the original promised land still have Canaanites living there. The only exception is Issachar. The other tribes also keep some Canaanite alives, Canaanites alive as slaves, which is expressly forbidden by God. God shows up as the angel of the Lord to rebuke them and tell them the consequences of their actions. The Canaanites will be a thorn in their flesh, and they'll fall into adultery. They're devastated, and they weep and offer sacrifices to God, but their repentance is short-lived. Today's reading gave us two flashbacks from the book of Joshua, the death of Joshua and the allotment of springs to Caleb's daughter. The flashback to Joshua's death is a reminder of a time when Israel was following God more closely. But even that great generation failed as leaders because they didn't appoint new leaders and they didn't tell God's story to the 
following generation. The people began worshipping the gods of Baal and Ashtaroth, male and female gods of the Canaanites. God is furious and brings on the very thing he promised, discipline via plundering and conquering. God raises up judges from among them to help lead them, but they reject these leaders and Yahweh himself and continue in wickedness. God promises not to drive out their enemies since they've broken the covenant and it will serve as a test to them. Will they repent? Will they turn back to him? Much of God's character shines in this text. His faithfulness to his covenant with the people, which includes blessings for obedience and curses for rebellion, his patience with them, his willingness to forgive, his compassion toward them. But above all, we see how much he loves them. He's not just trying to force obedience without relationship. He's after their hearts. Nothing changes unless hearts change. Yesterday, Joshua told the people to incline their hearts toward God, and today we see that his heart is inclined toward them as well. His love for us prompts our hearts to live, to love him back, because he's where the joy is. So I just want to leave you all off with a daily devotional for today to take with you. Today's daily devotional, I am above all things, your problems, your pain, and the swirling events in this ever-changing world. When you behold my face, you rise above circumstances and rest with me in heavenly realms. This this is the way of peace, living in the light of my presence. I guarantee that you will always have problems in this life, but they must not become your focus. When you feel yourself sinking in the sea of circumstances, say, help me, Jesus, and I will draw you back to me. If you have to say that thousands of times daily, don't be discouraged. I know your weakness, and I meet you in that very place. Amen. Thank you all for tuning in to this episode. I hope you all have a great day and God bless each and every one of you.